we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. I feel entirely unprepared for this episode. Yeah, you didn't sleep at all last night. I did. Two hours, actually. I'm sorry. You got a little bit. Like, I, that's what you say when you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've, I'm not sure anyone's ever gotten two hours of sleep in a night. It's usually just like, I don't know. I've got like two hours of sleep. It, it might have been 43 minutes. Who the fuck We knows? don't know. I don't know why either. It's, it's dangerous, though. Yeah. It's that trickster spirit. It is that trick. This wasn't keeping me up. No. I was just so stressed about doing this well. No. But it was that trickster spirit. It was. Actually, I... Hmm. Because I did, uh, like, draw the fucking uh, Nano Bozo petroglyph and put it on my fucking schizo wall. Okay. Next to my day planner. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that does, but it sounds like it might affect your sleep. Perhaps. Well... It's one of the spirits we're going to be talking about today. Oh. Yeah. I kind of wanted to do like an easy episode, you know, one that didn't require like reading a book, a mm-hmm. whole book. These weeks come quick. I understand. Yeah. So I thought like, ah, I could talk about like a collection of trickster spirits because, you know, that's a thing we've been hitting on. It's a thing we love. We're both tricksters in our own right, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Fucking clowns, at least. At the very least. The very least. Sacred clowns. I don't know about Sacred. You could be the sacred clown. I'm the profane clown. Yes. Yeah. But I was actually thinking about this, like, this, I don't know, where the, the nonsense bizarre is at least, like, spooky adjacent. Mm-hmm. Right? This is totally non sequitur, but, like, I have such a hard fucking time defining what the fuck we do here. Yeah. You know? If I ever have to, you know, I get on the, the- I change it depending on who I talk to, because we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff. Yeah, but, like, I got to put on the dating apps and stuff, and, like, I- we tell stories, try to squeeze some fucking chuckles out of people. We get you. That's, and by extension, we get some validation out of them too, you know? Oh, yes. Um, But like, we're spooky adjacent. But you got all these other spooky fuckers out here with their like blacks and their candles and their metal and their fucking skulls and shit. The occult aesthetic, the yeah. spooky aesthetic. That's not us. We're kind of like, we're like the fey side of the spooky, I mm-hmm. feel, you know? Or we're like some of the characters we're going to be looking at today. It's an aspect of the spooky that gets overlooked usually in the spooky aesthetic world and shit. In our aesthetic and branding of fucking obsessed shit world. Yes. The trickster archetype. The clever magician. The shapeshifter. The shapeshifter. Yeah. So today we're going to be focusing on a couple so-called trickster spirits. And that's the thing we're going to get into later. I feel like that's a bad term for these classic trickster spirits Mm -hmm. yeah it's there's another thing there that i like we'll get to the words for but we can save that for the end oh boy but yeah we're gonna be talking about a couple different versions of the trickster one archetype with a couple different versions of it from different indigenous american traditions and another from west africa modern day ghana we have spider bro and nancy trickster spirit and embodiment of storytelling itself Right. Which is sick. Do you know Nancy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And from North America, we have Coyote and the shape-shifting Trickster Rabbit. Uh, Trickster Rabbit, homie. Oh, Anna Bojo. Yeah. Perfect. And I'm wicked flustered because, hey, guess what? Folklore is wicked fucking complicated, especially Native American folklore. And if you want to do it any sort of justice, that is. Mm-hmm. Like, while there are some great resources for, like, Anansi, researching Native American lore is, like, fucking sad. Because there's, like, one website that tries to catalog all of it, and it's all external links to other places. Is it the firstpeoples.us yeah. website? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was trying to read things off of there the other day, too, and it just wasn't... Dude. Didn't work. 80% of the links go to pages that have been offline since the fucking Bush administration. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the one site. Right. And maybe you could yeah. use archive.org to access some of it, but yeah. you know, it's an extra step. If if people have cataloged it. Yes, you know? if it's cataloged. And also, yo, how big of an idiot do you have to fucking be to go looking for definitive sources of folklore from an oral tradition? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I realized halfway through scratching my head. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, there's there's no such thing as a definitive source. But I did find some really interesting shit, specifically from the people that uh, my own Native American heritage, such as it is, stretches back to, which is old, uh, old Nana Bojo, or Wena Bojo, or, any, or Nana Bush. And he has like 80 different names. But... Yeah, Nana Bojo is the cultural hero slash trickster god of the Ojibwe and by other names, the other uh, Anishinaabe people in general, which are for mm-hmm. like Great Lakes region. According to some sources, Coyote, another guy we're going to be talking about, the, the dog, I mean, the dog Coyote uh, is like just straight up another form that Nana Bojo takes for the people in like the Southwest and shit. While uh, Nana Bojo takes the form of a raven in the Pacific Northwest, a rabbit man in the Northeast, and a straight-up big old rabbit in the Southeast. It's really confusing. One might even say, it's tricky. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to do my best. We're going to do our best. But there are stories that about Coyote that don't overlap with Nana Bojo, especially when Coyote is specifically like a coyote. Mm-hmm. But like, really? I, I don't fucking know why I picked these. Like I said, I was looking for an easy episode. And why am I trying to put it all in a box? What am I doing here? You know, I like this selection. We got spider. I do too. Coyote. I don't know why I'm trying to justify it. I like that, you know, coyote and rabbit. I immediately think of how like Mel Blanc voiced both Bugs Bunny and Wiley Coyote. Oh, yeah. I mean, yo, you got two fucking, well. Trickster spirits in the cartoon pantheon. Yeah. Yes. Wiley Coyote is definitely a trickster. Totally. Yeah. Bugs Bunny is definitely a trickster. Yep. Yeah. And it was really surprising to me that, like, like of course the fucking trickster god of my the tribe that fucking my forebears came from is a goddamn rabbit trickster god. Because of course it is. Because of fucking course it is. So that's why I put the petroglyph symbol on my fucking crazy wall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, that's fucking sick. So that was cool. I'm glad I found that out. I'm glad you did Yeah. Too. And the stories are really interesting. But, like, yo, they're weird as shit. And also, by literally by pure coincidence, these are the archetypes that ended up fusing to create the character known as Br'er Rabbit. Like, these specific... That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, the stories of which were published and monetized by, you know, a fucking Roosevelt and uh, another white guy. Also, one of your white guys. McClure's oh, yeah. Magazine was one of the first people to run a comic strip about... Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yes, my great great grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> Bipolar newspaper man. Oh yes, he did a great job. Real great at making newspapers, real bad at making money. Hey, published an expose on Christian science. It's fucking sick, dude. He was a badass. Yeah. He's just a fucking maniac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's the father of investigative journalism. Like he like or not the fi- he financed the first investigative yes, journalism. Yeah, muckraking. Fucking it's so sick. And mm-hmm. published like the first Brer Rabbit cartoon in 1906. A run of like nine. I like how this has a personal connection to both you and I. I know that's super in, weird. In a very like roundabout ass yeah. way. Yeah. Fucking rabbits, dude. You can't escape them. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So yeah, like if I'd realized that when I picked them, I could have looked more into Brer Rabbit and called this like the secret history of Brer Rabbit, which would have been fun. But maybe I still can. We'll see. But what all these characters have in common is that far from being a symbol of just chaos and chance, like say Eris or uh, Eshu of the Aoife religion, mm-hmm. which I almost included as like, oh no, that's big enough that they'd give that better, do that better justice. Yes. Eshu is a fucking insane god. I think it's my favorite chaos. I was reading a little bit about the Aoife gods. Dude, it's, it's fucking nuts. Thanks to you sending me those yeah, links. It's so cool. Or Eshu, or to a certain extent, fucking Loki, who has his own TV show now. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. These guys that we're talking about today are, at their core, stand-ins for humanity itself. That's what they have in common. Um, With all the good, the bad, the heroics, the foibles that go along with being human. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's do what we do, pull a tarot card, and then learn about some tricksters. Yes, let's. Yeah. Hmm. That's, That's odd. Six of discs. Six of pentacles. That is interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine it in the Rider Waite Smith. It's the it's the guy given given the alms alms to the poor. Yes. It's a card about giving and taking and about like the yeah. balance. Yeah. And yeah. about how every now and then you're gonna be out of balance, but you yep. gotta trust that you're just gonna get back. It is a card yeah. about like literally duality. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's Tipareth in fucking Asaya. So, you know, it's the, the the sphere of fucking, you know, the holy guardian angel in that conception of it. But like the the perfect balance point on the tree of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually, that's a really appropriate card for these guys. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I did not think that at first. Fuck yeah. Well, we will talk about that more at the end. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time. It's tricky. It's tricky. 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 It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time. It's tricky. 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 I met this little girly. Her hair was kind of curly. Went to her house and... So I think what we're going to do is just... Just going to tell some stories. I think it's just how this is going to go. I love it. Yeah. So first, got the big dog, Coyote. He's actually a little dog. He's a little shit dog. He's interesting. Coyote's interesting because of how common he is in the myths like throughout North America. Like, okay. Essentially, every group of people included Coyote in their myths, Mm -hmm. usually in the same type of place. And like- Yeah, they're always stealing chickens and- you know, yeah. with people's shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for, like for context, and there isn't one Native American mythology. 
There's not two. There's not three. There's not ten. Fucking thousands of individual religions, you know? Like, there's broad groups of Native confederacies. They were like, the Anishinaabe people are a bunch of different tribes, right? Like the Ojibwe, the Algonquin, Odawa, Tawatomi, Misagas, Nipissing, the Algonquin. Like, yeah. But they all speak the same language mm-hmm. or a version of it. So they're the same group of people. They're all individuals, but they're all, even within this broad, even within the Anishinaabe, the different tribes within that will have different names for the same characters and shit. Right. Also, the characters are all just what they need to be at the time. Mm-hmm. In Native American mythology, one thing that's actually fairly broadly true is there's the line between human and animal, very blurry. A character can be his animal form in like, a sentence, and then a human in the next sentence. Yeah. If that's what the sentence requires, you know? It's literally like they, they can be whatever animal they need to be in that for that story. There's no fucking coherency or consistency except right. thematically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it gets confusing. Coyote, though, he's usually a fucking coyote. I mean, he can be old man coyote, but... Typically just plain old coyote. Yeah, he's just a fucking coyote. Every case where coyote, coyote shows up, he's seen as very, very close to humanity. Often the progenitor of humanity. A lot of times he made humanity. Cool. Built him out of clay. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Well, there, so there's. Listen to our golem bonus episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in one coyote story, which I didn't include, all the different animals get their shot at making their version of humans. Right. Like. You know, the eagle people get to build their human out of clay or their their Indians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as they still usually translate it is usually how like the actual translations go. It's always sketchy because like I never know when t- when it's actually legitimately respectful to use the term Indians, right? I don't know right. who cares. It's it's tough, tough to talk about native shit. I get it. <laughs> it really fucking is. But yeah, like all the different animals got their shot at making people out of clay. You know, including coyote. What no do you different. think? What animal made you? Well, that's the thing. Coyote is a little bastard. And so he knocked over all the other animals, clay versions of people and smashed them all until only his was left. Oh, okay. And that's why we suck. So we're all, okay, we're all coyotes animal. <laughs> Basically, yeah. In a, in a roundabout way, it all usually comes back to coyote specifically being the progenitor of Coyote is the demiurge. Yeah. And a lot lot of times. So in California, coyotes closer to the divine in a lot of other than a lot of other um, cultures. They like the coyote over there. I like that. Yeah. So in the Maidu creation myth, the earth was in the beginning without form and earth floated in endless waters until coyote's voice, his singing reached the prime being earth maker. And then together, earth maker and coyote sang the world into creation. The world was born out of the song, the duet between Coyote and God, mm-hmm. basically. After creation, Coyote's intentions took a darker turn to introduce chaos. He literally became sort of the demiurge. Yes. The new humans tried to rein him in, but his trickery was unmatched. And eventually, Earthmaker had to concede that Coyote's power actually rivaled his own. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a longer story. This is... Uh, about at the time when all the animals were getting a mulligan on their names, they got, and by extension, the powers they'd have. They basically got to choose their own their new names and become different animals, essentially. It's fuzzy. Okay. Yeah. 
there's also a commonality in a lot of native myths is uh, a time before people where there was a lot of hybrids, animal human hybrids. Like, yeah. We were talking about that personally the other day when we hung out. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the great spirit convened a gathering, pulling everyone from the farthest reaches of the the world. Shit was going to get shuffled up. They were going to restructure the whole animal society as it was. It wasn't animal society. It was just culture. I want cat ears. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, they had names were up for grabs and the animal world was about to assume leadership over the whole kitten caboodle, as opposed to now when it's the people world or the humanity world, you know? Mm -hmm. So the furries are taken over. Yeah, the furries are taken over. And so the, the great spirit said, "Okay, you fucking come over my house at dawn. First come, first serve. You got to pick a new name. You get to become an animal, right? You got all these animals and then you got fucking coyote. He's walking around, strutting around, in fact. Yes. Exuding an unearned confidence. The rest of the animals hated coyote. He was fucking insufferable. He's one upper. Yes. Yeah. He's just always one up. He's always bragging. And he also like, he's the type of guy to like, ask you a question that he desperately needs an answer to. And then when you give him the information, he's like, oh, I already knew that already. Oh, uh, yeah. He's a fucking dickhead. Yeah. And he's walking around. He's he's saying, oh, I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to be the first one there because I always wake up so early in the morning. Maybe I'll be grizzly bear and then I'll be I'll be as strong as you are. Ah, Maybe I'll be eagle. Maybe I'll even be salmon and I'll swim really fast. His twin brother, Fox, was like, I think you're still going to be coyote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Frustrated, Coyote decided to uh, forego sleep. He was going to stay up all fucking night. Oh. That goes. To make sure he was the first to pick. He didn't make it. He even, he used sticks to prop up his eyelids. That's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it backfired. Clockwork orange. Yeah, he couldn't get them out. They were just stuck in there. Yeah. Yeah. Morning came. I think he did eventually close them because he fell as- He fell asleep. The sticks broke. He fell. Yeah, the sticks broke. He fell asleep at like 4 a.m., maybe even like 4.30 right before sunrise. Mm-hmm. By the time he woke up, it was goddamn noon. No. Yeah. He uh, arrived at the... I don't know why I didn't include it. His wife is Mole, which is fun. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he wakes up. It's noon, and his wife's a Mole because she already got her name. You know? Yeah. He's like, oh, mole, you're a mole now. I got a mole wife. Like I'm saying, this shit is fucking confusing. I don't know what the hell's going on. Because her name's Mole before she becomes Mole. It's very weird. But now she's really become a mole. She's really a mole. She's really mole wife. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Coyote fucking books his ass down to the Great Spirit's house. Uh, All the good names are taken. So he's not going to be Grizzly Bear. No, there's only one name left. Coyote. Was the only one no one picked because no one wanted to be Coyote. Coyote was feeling defeated and the spirit chief, he said, listen, yeah, no one picked your name because everyone fucking hates you, dude. You suck. You're annoying as shit. You're kind of a bastard. Sorry. However, I have a very important and special job for you. Ah, yes. He basically makes, he's like, it's like, he turns him into a spook, basically. He's, it's almost like. Yeah, you would be the guy to go deep undercover, a solo agent. He says, humans are on their way. After the age of animals, it's going to be the age of humans. Our job, while it's the world of animals, is that there are all these spirits out there 
that hate humans. They want, they're going to destroy them as soon as they show up. Our job, while we run the show, we got to prepare the way for humans. And Coyote, I need you to exterminate those bad spirits. It's like the only thing, you're cunning, you're smart, you're quiet, you have all these like secret agent skills. So yeah, everyone fucking hates you, but you're the only one who can destroy the bad spirits and pave the way for humanity. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, As a curious footnote to the saga, those sticks Coyote used to prop his eyes open, they left him with uh, slightly slanted eyes. Ah, yes. And that's how uh, Native Americans got their eye shape, because they're the children of Coyote. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Weird story. It's a very interesting story. Yeah. So in many of these stories, he's a, like really important sacred character with divine powers. Yeah, he's going to clear out the bad spirits so yeah. that they don't bother the the new human race. Yeah, that's an important role of Nanabojo too, which we'll talk about last in this list. But yeah, killing, destroying the bad guys, the bad monsters is important job of the trickster. Yeah. Hmm. Very However, Persona 5 too. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game fucking rules. However, in like the basin uh, tribes of like Utah and shit like that, Coyote's fucking bad. He's humanity again, but he's like depicted as a fucking rapist. Like that's literally a lecherous fucking. Well, humanity has two sides. Very much so. Yeah. Just like the golem. How he's Mm -hmm. either a savior or a monster, depending on. Yeah. Yeah. Story, depending on the region and the people. Yeah. 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 But. We're not going to tell those stories because we like good we like good dog or fun dog at least. Yeah. Um, in the narrative of Coyote went to the basketry, went to get basketry material. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story of vengeance. <laughs> so Helena, it's it's the story of how horses happened too. Okay. So Coyote's grandson sets out to visit Coyote. He's it's he's got a free weekend or something, so he's going to visit his grandfather Coyote. He's warned Coyote's grandson to not go into a particular cave along the way. Oh. But then rain started to, it started to fucking pour down rain and he wanted to get shelter. So he ran into the fucking cave. He shouldn't have gone into the cave because he got turned into a big horn sheep. Don't you hate that when you go into a cave and you turn into something yeah. else that you're not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he fell asleep, woke up in the morning and his feet were all furry and shit. He was like, oh, fuck, I'm a sheep now. Guess I got to live with ah. these other sheep. Yeah. So he lived with the other sheep. But he still makes his way over to Coyote's house. He brings the the sheep with him, I think. And that's a flock. You know what happens when coyotes see flocks of sheep? They eat them. They go to eat them. Coyote looks right at the biggest one. He's like, I'm going to get that big fucking sheep. He doesn't know that it's his grandson. It's the Mm -hmm. sheep now. His brother Wolf says, yo, don't go for the big fucking sheep. Keep feeding the big sheep. Get a bunch of the little sheep. Then that big sheep keep getting fucking bigger year by year. Big fucking sheep. Don't you want to see a big sheep? Coyote's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Let's make this sheep real yes. big. <laughs> I want to see how big we can. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. However, eventually these guys called the Sky Down Feather Brothers, who I think are a type of bird. I'm not entirely sure what they are. Yeah. They're the Sky Down Feather Brothers. They're superheroes. No, bad guys. Okay, they're super villains. Yeah. Well, they want to eat this massive sheep. Oh. Yeah. But the elder Skydown Feather Brother, 
senses the sheep's true es essence and urges restraint. That sheep is sacred. We can't eat it. Well, he's like, coyote will fucking kill us. That's his grandson, but he doesn't know it. Yeah. We're not going to tell him, though. But the younger Skydown Feather brother is like, no, nah, I'm going to get that sheep. Fucking kills the sheep. Oh. Murders the sheep. And then the sheep turns back into a boy, except it's dead. Dead boy. Oh. Yeah. That's cruel. Yeah. So then fucking Wolf and Coyote see this shit. Like, oh my God, Coyote, that's your grandson. He was the big sheep the whole time and now he's dead because of these Sky Down Feather Brothers. I know. So <laughs> Grandpa's like, well, we were going to eat him soon. Yeah. Well, Wolf and Coyote devise an elaborate scheme. Yeah. I wonder what they thought about that. Holy shit. We were going to eat the boy. Yes. <laughs> 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 but they tried to eat the boy. Yeah. So we got to kill them now. Right. So they devise an elaborate scheme to kill the Skydown Feather Brothers. They enlist the help of Black Spider and a type, some type of bird that no one knows what it is called a Paratok, para, hmm? para, Paratsakita Pizzi. Yeah. I'm yep. only doing it once. I can't even do it. I'm going to call it not a parrot. It's, it's the parrot that wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Paratsakita Pizzi. Yeah. It's actually not that hard. It's not. Yeah. Black Spider and Paratsakita Pizzi. That's easy. Holy shit. Anyway, we don't know what that bird is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that word means. Um, they tell Black Spider to weave a big old web to obscure the heavens. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I don't actually know how they do this. They basically cut off the water. They get a monopoly on all the water. I'm not sure if it's Black Spider's web that like blocks it out, covers all the water except for one specific spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just say it is. It's a fucking trickster story. You can make it up. That's literally what you're supposed to, to do. Sense. Yeah. They basically hide all the fucking the water except for one little spot where they control. And they fucking lie in wait. They let it fire. They heat up these rocks and they wait for the Sky Down Feather Brothers to go drink from their well. Ah, yeah. yeah. Clever plan. Well, the brothers suspect a trap. They try to faint and taunt him and get him to make his move, but he doesn't do shit. Him and Wolf are just waiting and waiting and waiting. Eventually, they're like, maybe he isn't trying anything. They go for a drink. Coyote fucking throws this red hot rock at him, goes clean through one of the Sky Down Feather brothers, knocks the other one in the head. They try to flap up. They fly into Black Spider's web, mm -hmm. ties him up, drops him down. They're dead. Some comic book shit. Yeah. Coyote got his fucking revenge. He goes back to where the body of his grandson is. Yeah. It's not there. It's an empty grass-stripped landscape. And he realizes his son, his grandson must be a horse now. And that's wow. how horses happened. Okay. Kind of how it's told. He just goes, oh my God, he must have changed form again. He's probably a horse. I guess horses exist now. Holy shit. Okay. Yep. This is why it was so hard for me. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So he turns into a sheep, then dies, turns back in, into a coyote. No, horse. And then, as far well, as I know, well, he was no, never his, a coyote. His body was... A, it was a boy. A boy. Yeah. And then it, it's a horse. Okay. All right. Dude, it's dream logic. Sheep, boy, horse. I got it. It's, it is it is dream logic. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it. If it, The dream logic of turning from a sheep into a, a horse. Yeah. 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 
big sheep. <laughs> Real big sheep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, dude. Um, Coyote once got his head stuck in a buffalo skull while trying to enjoy a dance performed by flies. <laughs> wow. Um, we forget he is a dog. Yeah, he's a he's literally a coyote. So this is a the Nez Perce um, creation story, like their origin story. A long, long time ago, people did not inhabit the earth yet. A monster walked upon the land, eating all of the animals except the coyote. The coyote coyote was angry that his friends were gone, and he climbed the tallest mountain, attached himself to the top, and called upon the monster, challenging him to try and eat him. The monster sucked in the air, hoping to pull the coyote pull in coyote with his powerful breath. But the ropes coyote used to attach himself to the mountain were too strong. The monster tried many other ways to blow the coyote off the mountain, but it was no use. The monster realized coyote was sly and clever. He thought of a new plan. He'd befriend coyote and invite him to stay with him in his home. Days before the stay was to happen, coyote said that he too wanted to visit his friends and asked if, if he could go into the monster's stomach to see them. The monster allowed it, and then Coyote just fucking slashed the fuck out of the... He cut out the monster's heart and he set it on fire inside the monster. It's pretty metal. <laughs> yeah. And his friends were freed. And it was then decided that Coyote would make a new animal. Okay. He tore this fucking monster to shreds and he just started flinging pieces of it all across the land. All across the fucking world into all the right, direction. All serial killer behavior. And wherever the pieces landed, a new tribe of Indians emerged. Okay. He ran out of body parts before he could create a new human animal on the site where the monster had laid. He used the monster's blood that was still on his hands to create the Nez Perce, who would be strong and good. That was all in quotes. I didn't rewrite that. That was, that was in quotes. Yeah, it's fucking insane. So here's a joint from the Chinookan. Totally different. Uh, totally different vibe. You're going to like this one. Oh, boy. You're going to love this one, actually. I love this one. One day, Coyote was out trying to catch salmon. Boy was hungry. He wanted some salmon. I can dig it. Salmon's really good. Coyote sucked at fishing. So he's out there splashing around, can't catch shit. And this goes on for a while. Eventually, nature calls. Coyote has to take a shit. As you do. As you do. So he does. So he's out there. He's pooping in the wilderness. He doesn't mind. He's a coyote. He can't catch any fish. That's pretty bad. Then to make matters worse, get this. His poop starts talking to him. Oh, shit. <laughs> literally. Telling him how much he sucks at fishing. They're just in, his, his poop is literally insulting his fishing skills. You know, <laughs> that's the last thing you want. The last thing you want. And this goes on for a while, too. But eventually, Coyote's poop gets tired of insulting him, and he gives him instructions, not only on how to catch fish, but how to prepare the salmon, too. Okay, well, at least he's being helpful now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he just got out of his, like, a little berating, a little ribbing him, you know? Right. There's something really fucked up, fucked up about your poop telling you how to cook, though. Well, it makes sense, though, because Yeah, it you, does. It does. You would look to it to figure out what, where do I need more of this nutritional need or yeah, no, whatever. It, like, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your poop tells you a lot about yourself. It does. It really does. I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> But it's good advice, though. So Coyote starts fishing again, and now he has some success. He's catching fish after fish, but eventually no more fish. Goes, wow, why no more fish? Frustrated and thinking, well, it worked once before. He takes another shit. <laughs> he needs a fresh poop. <laughs> the old one's dried out. I can't, I can barely talk anymore. Just like before, this poop has a grand old time telling him how much he sucks at fish. Oh, no, they always come out yeah. rude. 
<laughs> they come out rude. They're like a little teenager. But then he says, listen, man, you, there's, you still have a lot to learn about fishing. Like, it gives him... Uh, detailed instructions on like like it you still got a lot to learn about fishing like what might work one day might not work the next day what might work in one river might not work in the other river depending on season it can change like it's not just one technique that's going to work and so the poop gives him all these instructions on like how to find fish where else to look all these other considerations geography time shit season shit right at the end of the day coyote's a learned and effective fisherman but he's too tired to continue so he leaves the fishing for another day yeah. Is that it to that one? That's it to that one. I wanted more somehow. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted like the grand poop adventure. Yeah. Anyway, so, there are excellent benefits. There are. Yeah. So like in a, lo- a lot of tribes have coyote as the animal that gave fire to humans. Mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest, it's raven. You know, it's the same same thing. Between the Fraser and Columbia Rivers, um, there's a story uh, in another creation myth. Coyote held a pivotal role in a change between in the change between the world of animals and plants only to a world where humans roamed as well. The people of the time, though they had human form, were really animals, gifted with magical powers. Into the world then came certain transformers, the greatest of whom were the coyote and the old man, who put the earth in order, giving the mountains and the valleys their present aspects and transforming the wicked among them. And these are the beings who the who the ancient world denizens made into the animal shapes which are still theirs. The descendants of the good among these pristine beings are the Indians of today. The Navajo people believe the world is built in a sequence of stories, the fifth of these being the earth on which men now dwell. The Genesis, what's that? Stories. Yeah, like the weaving of a story, telling a story. Yeah, which is really cool. Yes. And it's not even like, I just kind of wanted that. Yeah. I I don't even really like this uh, fucking story that much, but like, yeah. The world is built in a sequence of stories. Yeah. That's a very... Accurate sentence. Yeah. The Genesis legend of this tribe divides into four episodic tales, the first of which, The Age of Beginnings, narrates the ascent of the progenitors of Earth's inhabitants from story to story of the underworld and their final emergence upon Earth. Coyote guides humans down to Earth while Badger continues to the underworld. One day they saw the sky. Yeah. One day they saw the sky stooping down and the Earth rising to meet it. At the point of contact, Coyote and Badger sprang down from the world above. Badger descended into the world below, but Coyote remained with the people. First man. So it's like, Coyote is between heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. You know? He's a bastard. He's a bastard dog, but he's our bastard dog. Yeah. You know? Um, speaking of bastards and stories, let's move on from Coyote. I don't even really know why I included Coyote. I like his inclusion. Cool. Let's take a flight from North America over the ocean to West Africa. I meet the next homie, Anansi. Yes. And he is a fucking homie. I've always loved Anansi. How could you not? How could you not? Anansi is an Akan folk folktale character and the god of stories, wisdom, knowledge, and trickery. God is a not quite the right word, but it you you know what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demigod, if it was like Greek shit, you know. Yeah. That kind of well, but not even really. It's its own thing. Don't want to worry about. While most commonly a spider, sometimes he's a man with spider-like features. Sometimes a man-sized spider. Sometimes a spider with the man's head. I like that one. I hate that one. (laughs) (laughs) I like him as just a spider. (laughs) (laughs) So though they originated in present-day Ghana, Anansi stories were transmitted to North America by way of the Caribbean through the transatlantic slave trade. Um... 
Anansi is best known for his ability to outsmart and triumph over more powerful opponents through his use of cunning, creativity, and wit. But even though he's usually the main character, he's more sympathetic than Coyote a lot of times. He has foibles, a lot of foibles. Um, like Coyote, Anansi often has to pay a price for his trickery, and he's often the butt of the joke. But what I like a lot about Anansi and what probably made me who I am today, and yo, shout out to a fucking Len Cabral, a Rhode Island storyteller who's just been spinning these yarns at elementary schools. I fucking hate it so much. Get that thing out of my face. That is not Anansi. I know. That's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I just showed Sequoia is still shot from the movie Possum. I, I hated whatever the fuck I just saw. It's a spider with a creepy man head. It's barely a spider. I don't even like spiders. <laughs> but yeah, like I remember, like there's this dude, Len Cabral, this storyteller from Rhode Island. He's been, like doing this shit from since like 1976. He just tells these like folk tales to kids in elementary schools. I feel like he came to my school. He too, definitely probably. did. It's just yeah. what he's been doing for decades. Yeah. Decades. I don't even know if I like any videos I could find of him were uh could barely hear the audio. So I have no idea if he's even good. But First introduction to folk folklore. So folklore. Yeah. Folklore. Folklore. Don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's sick about Anansi is how these stories focus on the magical power of storytelling itself. Or the effective power of storytelling itself. The most famous tale is called Anansi and the Box of Stories, which explains the origin of storytelling. In this version, Anansi is the son of the sky god Nyame. Do you know the story? No. You might remember it. So, one day, Anansi's hanging out at his house. I don't know what he lives in. It's a spider house in the jungle. I always, like... Some sort of web. When I was a kid, I was I was in love with my idealized version of West Africa. God, mm-hmm. I like this place. Like, I wanted to live in the fucking jungle so bad. So, I had this, like, real childhood imagine, Im- imagination land in my head whenever I'm, like, telling a story about this... Yeah. area of the world. I want to go to that fucking place so bad. Oh, I want to go to the fucking jungle. I like a jungle. Yes. Anansi likes a jungle. He's hanging out. He's in a tree. He's a spider. He's having a good time. He's like, this jungle's sick. I like this jungle. Only problem is it's boring as fuck. Mm. Why is it boring? No one has any entertainment. They don't have any stories to tell because his dad, fucking sky god, Niame, was hoarding them in a box in the sky. That's no good. Yeah. So Nancy set about a plan to steal the stories from his dad. Like we used to steal liquor from our fathers. <laughs> like you used to steal liquor from your father. I think it's a much more universal experience than yeah. that. <laughs> this is the first thing I could think of until that story another day. So what Anansi did, he shot some thread out of his ass into the wind, hopped on it, flew it up to his dad's house. Beautiful. Hell yeah. He goes and asks his dad, hey, can I get those stories so I can give them to the people and we won't be bored anymore? And his dad's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've actually never even looked in that box. I don't know what's in there. But you really want it, so I don't think you can have it because it's probably something pretty important and valuable. So I'm just going to keep it. Oh, damn it. But you know what? It was pretty cool how you shot some web out of your ass and flew it up here like a kite. Yes. I'm proud of you, son. So I'll give you a shot. If you do a stupid task for me. I'll give you the box of stories. Okay. He's a sky god. They they just have to be like that. Right. You know. You have to complete this quest. If there's one thing that gods love, 
it's stupid tasks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he says, all right, if you can bring me four animals, I will give you this box of stories. He thinks it's an impossible task because the animals that he tells him, tells Nazi to bring are uh, one, Onini, a giant python. Remember, Nazi's a spider. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Osebo, a big leopard. The deadly Moboro hornets. Group of the deadliest, rascaliest. Yeah, murder, murder hornets. Fucking murder hornets, yeah. And the invisible fairy, Moachia, famous for her pride, greed, and quick temper. Well, that one's going to be tough to catch. Yeah. Anansi doesn't have, have any idea how the fuck he's going to do any of this. But he's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll fight. I got it. I got it. I got this. Uh, Niame knew he wasn't going to fucking do it. He thought, Niame thought that each one of these on their own was impossible. Mm-hmm. Combined. You're fucked. There's no way. Anansi didn't let it be known that he also felt the same way, but he was determined. Soon he realized that in order to beat the best traits of these four creatures, he himself would have to use his best trait. His spider brain. Yes. His spider. His does he like wrap them all up in a web? Well, what he does, he's got that. He's got that, uh, you know, on his side, the web. Right? Yeah. He's also got his trickery, his cunning. So he, Gets a plan together to defeat each of these other animals and puts it into motion. First, he sits outside of Onini, the python slayer, and he starts talking to himself, pretending to argue with himself. He's like, he is not. He puts on a different voice. He is so. He's not. He's so. He's not. Sound like a real crazy guy. Yeah, he's just arguing in two different voices to himself. Onini's like, why is this fucking crazy spider outside my... House talking to himself, it sounds like. So he slithers on out and he's like, Oh, Nancy, what are you, what are you doing? And Nancy says, Look, uh, you can't see her, but I was having an argument with my wife, actually. She's somewhere else. You heard her, you know. Anyway, you see this stick I'm holding? He's holding a stick. She thinks that you're not as long as this stick. I think you are, but we have no way of figuring it out. And so Nini the Python goes, We'll figure this out right now. Of course I'm as long as that stick. I'm the longest python there's ever been. I'm a huge guy. Yes. Yeah. So Anansi lays down the stick. He's like, hell yeah, I'm going to fucking show my wife what's what. And Onini like slithers on up next to it. And Anansi is like, oh man, you know, the thing is, and you're resting snake shape. You're all fucking wavy and shit, dude. That's not your full length. You might not be as long as this stick if we don't get you out to your full length. Why don't... Let me tie you to this stick, Nazi says. Yes. And Onini, with his pride, says, yeah, 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 stretch me on out. I'll, I'm the longest guy this yeah, ever show been. your wife how big I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he does, and Nazi ties him up, and he carries him on back to his fucking dad, drops him at his dad's, got the, yeah. got the python. There you go. Fucking dumbass. Next, <laughs> next was the leopard, a sabo. Legendary strength and jaws. He's a big cat. You don't fuck with a big cat. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that big cats also do sound like that too yeah They're, they are cats you know Anansi just digs a fucking Burmese tiger trap without the spikes though yeah but he digs a pit digs a big old hole digs a big old hole he fucking puts banana leaves over it it's a good plan puts some food down in there cat falls right in the fucking hole cat's in the hole gets him every time yeah every time and then he's got but then he's got this big fucking leopard just in a hole what do you do right with that as a spider well, you say, listen, hey, man, you're not going to be able to get out of there on your own. I can help you, though. I think he'd probably said it a bit different. He was probably like, oh, no. 
Oh, Sabo, the big strong leopard. How'd you get up get in that hole? You're so big and strong. I didn't think any hole could fucking hold you. That's so terrible. How can I help? Let me help you, Mr. Leopard Man. Uh, yeah. He's like, well, you can make ropes come out of your ass, right? And so Nancy's like, yeah, I can do that. Let me spin you up a rope. He lowers it down. Cat starts climbing up the rope. Nazi spins him up, brings him back to his dad's house. Yep. Yeah. For the next, the Maboro Hornets. Nancy gets this gourd, cuts a hole in it, makes a plug for the hole. Then he takes this big ass fucking leaf. And he that's like, gets all this rainwater, catches it in it, makes a leaf bucket. He then pours half the water on his head so he's all wet and shit. And then he goes up to the hornet's nest and he pours the other half of the water into the hornet's nest. The hornets all fly out and Nancy goes, it, monsoon season came early. The rains came early, guys. I don't know what to do. Do you have a plan? We got to get you out of here. And they're like, what are you talking about? But like, look, there's water pouring into your nest. I'm all wet. The rains are here. We got to get you out. I got this gourd. Fly into this gourd. Get in the gourd. Yeah. Most of them don't, but like one of them does, but because they're a hive mind, they all flow in. He fucking plugs it up, takes him back to his dad's house. Oh, yes. Yeah. One more to go. Finally, he had to trap the crafty, invisible fairy, Moatia. Okay. Yeah. How are you going to trap an invisible fairy? Well. She's she's like much bigger. She sounds like the biggest one of the bunch. Surely she has a weakness. Well, it's her, her pride and her greed and her, her rage. He, uh, she loves yam paste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So Nancy makes a gum baby. Okay. But it's a baby made out of gum. It's a doll made out of gum. Yeah. Attaches a web to its head. <laughs> it's just sick. Yeah, and then he sets out a bowl of yam paste that his wife made uh, into the lap of the gum baby. Okay, his wife is just a spider, right? Not a mole? Yeah, yeah, she's a spider wife. Okay. Moachi's coming along, all invisible and shit. She can't resist the yam paste. She, she, she can't. Asked, she can't, so she asked the gum baby for permission to have some. Gum baby, may I please eat some oh, of your yam can I have some of your yam paste? A Nazi puppets the, yam, the gum baby's head to like nod yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Mwachin fucking digs in, she eats all the fucking yam paste. <laughs> then she, she's done, she thanks the, the gum baby. Oh, thank you, gum baby. That was delicious yam paste. A Nazi, the gum baby doesn't acknowledge Mwachia. Oh. Yeah. It's rude. It's wicked rude. You're not going to say you're welcome to me? Yeah. So she she thanks the gum baby again. I said, thank you, gum baby. <laughs> no reaction. It's like she's fucking invisible or something. <laughs> she gets real mad. And so she slaps this fucking baby. Oh, <laughs> here's the problem. It's made out of gum. It's made out of gums. Her hand gets stuck. So she slaps him with her other hand. Other hand gets stuck. Then she attacks with her legs, starts kicking the baby. Legs get stuck. <laughs> this is why you never kick a gum baby. It's true, yeah. Finally, she's just all wrapped up in this gum baby. The Nancy used her, her her own rage against her and her pride. She brings her on back to his dad's house. Clever boy. And having completed the tasks uh, set out for him, Niame, you know, makes good on his end of the bargain and gives Anansi the box of stories. Yep. All right. You can have the box. Yeah. And that's where all- He's like, shit, what the fuck am I going to do with this leopard? (laughs) (laughs) They can fight each other. Yeah. Somebody merge them all together. Yeah. Yo, like, (laughs) 
some of Nazi stories get fucking dark. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, not like this one isn't, but we'll, we'll get to some some darker ones. Okay. Uh, he also brought wisdom to the world. Well, yeah, you know, with the stories. Different things. Okay. Actually, wait. Oh, you know, a story can have can be a story without any wisdom in it. You mm, know, that is true. But it's got stories are supposed to have lessons. They're supposed to have symbolic density. You know, mm-hmm. you pack like the poop store with coyote. There's a lot of shit in there that you yeah. can use as a teaching moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fishermen are crazy already. Imagine if they just started talking to their own poop, trying to be better fishermen. My God. I've been in the throes of trout madness before. You start talking to the river itself. It does things to a man. Mm-hmm. Ugly things. I am haunted by waters. but yeah Anansi had a had a pot like a kettle containing all the wisdom in the world and every day Anansi would open the fucking pot just like like father like son you know what I'm saying his dad's hoarding all the stories Anansi's hoarding all the wisdom yes every day Anansi would open the pot stick his head in and learn something new and wondrous he wanted to keep it safe and for himself even though his father Nyame had instructed him to share it Mm, I have some pot that I do the same with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, oh man, eventually they're going to take my fucking pot of wisdom. I got to bury this thing. So he goes out looking for a place to bury it. Anansi's son, uh, Anansi's son was, was, uh, very curious. And he sees his dad skulking about with this fucking pot of wisdom. What are you, what are you doing with that dad? Yeah. He starts to tail him. So he's creeping on after Anansi. Anansi looks Far and wide for the perfect hiding place. Don't want your kid finding your pot stash. No, you don't. Eventually, he finds a very tall tree, decides to tie the pot of wisdom to the top of the tree, where nobody but him would know where it was. So he fashioned a long rope of vines, began to climb it up while holding the pot. No matter how much he tried, though, the pot made it impossible for him to climb too high. It kept falling. Pot keeps almost spilling. Finally, Nancy's son is hiding in the bushes, and he's like, Dad, you're a spider. Tie the pot to your back. <laughs> yeah. That way you can carry it up without bumping your belly or, you know, having to grab it with however many of your fucking legs you got to use to grab it. Nancy did this, sensing the wisdom of it. Maybe some spelled out. And he quickly was able to climb to the top. But then he sat there, contemplating what his son had said, and realized that even with the pot of wisdom on his back, in his arms, his son had given him wise advice that he had not thought of himself. Taught him that wisdom is best when shared. Yeah. So Anansi dumps out the wisdom yes. all over the world so that everybody who wants a little bit of wisdom could reach out into the winds and pick some up. That's wow. why everyone has some wisdom, but nobody has all of it. <sighs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So many of the Anansi stories that we have were brought to the, are from the Caribbean, specifically Jamaica, by way of the slave trade. And I found this website with all these micro retellings of Anansi stories, a hundred words each, which is really interesting. They're all from the Caribbean, and there's just something, like, really cool about these micro-stories. Mm-hmm. Of almost, like, a Zen Cohen quality to them. Because, like, a hundred words leaves a fucking ton of room for the imagination. It does. And the author of these, uh, she says, like, yeah, you can use these as, like, a basis for your own shit. These Anansi stories are much darker a lot of times. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why I pulled this one. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go to the website and, like, Tiny Tales of Anansi. So this is... Um, Tiny Tales of a Nazi. That's what it sounded like you said. Yeah, that's book five in the, in the series. Yes. Uh, 
It's a future episode. So I'm going to paste that link in here. Maybe you want to like read one or two? I would love to. Yeah. There's even like a random, like you can click random on maybe not this website, but the author's actual website, which is an interesting thing. Like just get a random one of 200 tiny Anansi stories as like a divination method or something. Yes. Ah. Okay. Story number 22. Anansi helps Tiger take a bath. Tiger and Anansi went to the river. Wash your guts, Anansi told Tiger. Tiger took out his guts and washed them. Now your head. When Tiger put his head in the water, Anansi stole Tiger's guts. Make this into stew, Anansi told his wife. Then Anansi prepared his children for Tiger's funeral. Everybody shout now, poor Tiger's dead. One child cried, we ate Tiger. No, said Anansi, you can't go to the funeral. (laughs) But the child went to the funeral anyway. When Anansi saw the child coming, he ran and hid on the rooftop. Spiders stay on the roof even now. Yep. He's still ashamed. Yep. He's like, fuck, my kid's going to tell on us. We ate that fucking tiger. This one's called Anansi and the Coconut. Anansi was eating a coconut, smacking his lips happily. What's that? Tiger asked him. It's one of my balls, said Anansi. Balls are very sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Then Anansi smiled at Tiger. Hey, Tiger, your balls are much bigger than mine. I bet they're even sweeter than mine are. Let's go to the blacksmith. He can use his hammer and anvil to break off one of your balls so you can eat it. (laughs) What the fuck? <laughs> Tiger and Anansi went to the blacksmith. Tiger laid down. The blacksmith banged him with a hammer. Hard. Tiger died. Then Anansi ate Tiger, balls and all. Balls and all. <laughs> I was shocked when I found these stories. <laughs> these are pretty fucked. It's a wicked fuck, dude. I'm telling you. I mean, I... It was way too long to include it in the coyote section, but there's... Man, there's one that has, like... It's this whole fucking thing about goddamn, uh, it's like a pre-flood story about like the women trying to prove that they can do everything as good as the men can, but they get like separated from across this river. And so then the women have to fuck themselves with fucking elk horns and shit. And that's how the hybrids came about. Whoa. Seriously. That's a coyote creation story. Well, then coyote steals a fucking baby and it makes the water spirits angry. So they flood the fucking world. Um, okay. Yeah. It's just the. Okay. It's it's literally, yeah, it's lit, yeah. It's the Book of Enoch. It's literally, yeah, it's literally. The Book of the Watchers. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally that, yeah. Yeah. It just kind of, it's pretty fucked up, actually. I like this one about eggs. Hell yes. Number 72, Takuma and Anansi's eggs. Takuma visited Anansi. Anansi had 100 eggs in a nest, and greedy Takuma ate 99 of Anansi's eggs. Then Anansi said, I think I'll go count my eggs now. Oh, no, no, no. You don't need to. I'll count them for you, said Takuma. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hold up each egg high so I can see it, said Anansi. Takuma went out to the nest and lifted up one egg so that Anansi could see it. One, Takuma said. Then he lowered the egg into the nest and lifted up the same egg again. God damn it. Two, <laughs> he said. Takuma did this 100 times, but there was only one egg. <laughs> and that's it. I love it. I fucking love it. Tiger came to see Anansi. Hard times, said Anansi. No food here. Tiger went away. Then Tiger heard Anansi's wife yell, Dinner's ready. 
Tiger returned. Feed me, he roared. All right, I'll share the food, said Anansi, if you do what I tell you. Okay, said Tiger. Anansi got into his own cooking pot. Put the lid on. When I knock, let me out. Tiger put on the lid. Anansi knocked. Tiger let him out. Now you, said Anansi. Tiger got in. Anansi put on the lid. Tiger knocked, but Anansi didn't let him out. Got you now. Anansi cooked Tiger and ate him. He just fucking loves eating this tiger. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tom and Jerry, dude. Or no, not it's not Tom and Jerry. It's the Simpsons version of that. Yes. Fucking it's, itchy and scratchy. It's fucking itchy and scratchy, dude. It's hilarious. But you see, like the Caribbean and Nazi stories are a bit. They're darker. There's a lot of death. <laughs> yeah, there's one story where he tricks a dog into going into a river where there's alligators, and um, then the the dog gets eaten. Yeah. By the alligators and Anansi just laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. chaos. Yep. Loves yeah. making a good story, though. He does. I mean, he's sigh up and all these motherfuckers into <laughs> getting eaten. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like, I like original Anansi a lot. Oh, necessarily. I think Caribbean Anansi is a bit of a fucking bastard, but I think they all were. All right. So, lastly, Nana Bojo. That's enough, Anansi. That's enough. We want the rabbit. We're going to kind of get the rabbit. Yeah, because he's a shapeshifter. It's he's weird. not really a rabbit. It's weird. We're, it's more Native American shit, so it's very... Strange. Yeah. Not... Amorphous. Amorphous is the, yeah. But That's the term I was looking for. <laughs> this shit is really interesting, though. So, Nana Bojo is another character from North America from the Anishinaabe people. Specifically, name is from the Ojibwe. Around like Lake Michigan, Lake Superior is the, the area of the country. So the Anishinaabe are a group of people from the northeast of the U.S. and southern Canada, Great Lakes region. There's that whole eastern forest, right? Hmm. And Nana Bojo is uh, the most human of the three characters we've talked about, but he is also a shapeshifter. And he, depending on who you ask, most often takes the form of a rabbit, which made my ears perk up. So... He's sometimes known as the Great Hare. Sometimes he's a coyote. Sometimes he's a raven. But very often the trickster rabbit. His brother, sometimes his cousin, Chiapitsuk, I believe is his name, something like that, is the ghost rabbit. See, he's a, he's a ghost rabbit. A cool. Yeah. He gets killed and then becomes a ghost rabbit. Fuck it's it. pretty sick. Just like Coyote and Anansi, when he gets too big for his britches, he has to pay for it. But in Anishinaabe lore, he's sort of... He's the most like a superhero of all these characters. He's very much a cultural hero to the Anishinaabe. Mm-hmm. Most often depicted as male, but he's also agender. He changes his gender depending on what they need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I wouldn't even say they're agendered. It's just like, they're, it's, Nana Bojo is whatever it needs. To, it's the spirit of the Anishinaabe people, essentially, right? Yeah. <clears throat> most commonly, a dude with rabbit ears. Or a rabbit. Totally amorphous nature is really interesting to me. Um, and Nana Bojo features prominently into creation stories, often being the one who recreated the world after the Great Flood. Also usually being the one to set off the chain of events that caused the Great Flood. So how this story starts varies across tellings, but some have it that back before the flood, Nana Bojo, through his charm and gift of gab, made friends with Wolf, and they became like brothers and hunting partners, right? Adopted brothers, essentially. And together, Nana Bojo and Wolf were fucking amazing hunters. Like, they were just sick with it. 
they're just straight up killing machines with, you know, Nana Bojo's mind and Wolf's physical capa- capabilities. Sweet. Man and dog, right? Yep. Um, they just started taking down game like nobody's business. So much so that the other animals had to call a meeting and say, yo, this Nana Bojo and Wolf partnership has got to stop because they're literally making our food extinct. They're on a tear. <laughs> Nana Bojo didn't listen, though. He's like, ah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're having fun with it. And he and Wolf kept on killing and storing away food. So the proto-animals, the titans perhaps, were like, all right, we got to go to war against these motherfuckers. So they go to war against Nana Bojo uh, and end up causing the Great Flood. And this is how that happens. So mm-hmm. one day, Nana Bojo is returning home to his lodge after doing shit all day, long journey. Uh, in some stories, in some versions, it's his cousin. Some it's his brother, the ghost rabbit guy. This is how he becomes a ghost rabbit. His brother lives with him. He calls his brother's name, but he hears no answer. And he goes, oh, shit. So he looks around on the Sanford tracks, and he sees the trail of the great serpent who lives at the fucking bottom of Lake Michigan. He then knew that, that his brother had gotten got. Nanabojo picked up his bow and arrows and followed the track of the great serpent. He passed the great river, climbed mountains, and crossed over valleys until he came to the shores of a deep and gloomy lake, now called Manitou Lake, Spirit Lake, also the Lake of Devils. The trail of the great serpent led to the edge of the water. So he's looking, Nanabojo's there, he's looking into the water, and he sees at the bottom of the lake the house of the great serpent, swarming with terrible evil spirits, like fucking as that movie about the house that has all the ghosts. Yeah, what is that a Rob Zombie Rob Zombie joint? There's so many movies I know. like that. Yeah, that's true. I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Most of them, like their master, resembled serpents. In the center of this horrible group was the great serpent himself, coiling his terrifying length around Nanabojo's brother. Nanabojo can see the face of the great serpent. It's as red as blood. His fierce eyes glowed like fire. His whole body was armed with hard and glistening scales of every color and shade. And he sees that his brother's dead, right? Like, he's, he's got him. Mm-hmm. And so, Nanabojo's stand up there, the top of the lake. And first he says to the clouds, disappear. And the clouds disappear. Mm-hmm. And then he says, winds, be still at once. And the winds became still. Then with the air over the lake of evil spirits, when the air over the lake of evil spirits had become stagnant, pure glass, Nanabozo says to the sun, Shine over the lake with all the fierceness you can. Make the water boil. In these ways, thought Nanabozo, he, could, he would force the great serpent to seek the cool shade of the trees growing on the shores of the lake. There he would seize his enemy and get revenge. So he tells nature itself to do its fucking thing. And then he takes his bows and arrows and places himself near the spot where he thought the serpents would probably go to get into the shade. And so he changes himself into the broken stump of a withered tree. So the winds become still, the air is stagnant, and the sun shoots hot rays from a cloudless sky. Eventually, the lake starts boiling. The serpents all rise up. They're looking around because they know Nanabojo's behind this. They're like, where the fuck is he? Is he sleeping? No, he's not sleeping. We know he's, he's, he's around here somewhere. So they go into the trees, and they're like, I bet he's one of these trees. They know his tricks. Yep. They know his fucking tricks. They saw the broken stump. They're like, that's him. That's him. They knew exactly how his mind worked. He, he wouldn't go for the tree. He'd go for the broken stump. One of the serpents approaches the stump. He wraps his tail around it and tries to drag it down to the lake. Nanabozo's like, if I fucking squirm at all, they're going to know it's me. So he just stays perfectly still and he lets him drag him all the way to the edge of the lake. And they're like, oh, shit. 
it's not him. He would have ran away by now. So they go into the forest and get in shade. They start pulling down all these other trees. Then from the stump, Nanabojo watches until all the serpents were asleep. They couldn't find him, and their guard was looking in another direction. Then he gets a little closer. He silently draws an arrow from his quiver, places it in his bow, and he aims it right at the heart of the great serpent. Bullseye. With a howl that shook the mountains and startled the wild beasts in their caves, fucking great spirit starts thrashing about. It wakes up. It starts thrashing about. It's fucking, yeah, I imagine it like lifts up and then like topples over back into the water, you know? And then at the bottom of the lake, there's still the body of Nanabojo's brother. And in their fury for his having killed the great serpent, all the lesser serpents tear apart the body of Nanabojo's brother. His shredded lungs rose to the surface and covered the lake with whiteness. Dude. Yeah. Great Serpent soon knew he would die from his wound, but he and his companions were determined to destroy Nanabosha. So they caused the water of the lake to swell upward and to pound against the shore with the sound of many thunders. The flood rolled over the land, over the tracks of Nanabosha, carrying with it rocks and trees. High on the crest of the highest wave floated the wounded Great Serpent. His eyes glared down around him, and his hot breath mingled with the hot breath of his many companions. Nanabojo, fleeing before the angry waters, thought of his Indian children. He ran through the villages, shouting, Run to the mountaintops! The great serpent is angry and flooding the earth! Run, run! They all grabbed up their kids. They found safety on the mountains. Nanabojo continued his flight, his flight along the base of the western hills, and then up a high mountain beyond Lake Superior, far to the, far to the north. There he found many men and animals that had escaped the flood that was already covering the valleys and plains and even the highest hills. Still, the water continued to rise. Soon all the mountains were under the flood except a high one on which stood Nanabojo. Then he gathered timber and made a raft upon it, and then he got all the men and women and animals onto the raft with them. Almost immediately, and they just started floating over the floodwaters and eventually floated until they couldn't see any land anywhere. Until the flood began to subside, and they started, came down in some other place, and they saw the tops of mountains, and hills, and plains, and valleys. And when the water had disappeared, the people who had survived learned that the great serpent was dead, and that his companions had returned to the bottom of the Lake of Spirits. And there they remain to this day. For fear of Nanabojo, they have never dared to come forth again. Haha. <laughs> yeah. So, what's interesting is that North America was f- flooded at one point. Yes. Like, it r- literally was. Um, the reason why, like, the Badlands look like they do. I I was just yeah. going to say, I've been there, and it's yeah. crazy because it's you're, so cool. you're driving through, and you can imagine that, like, you're on the bottom of, like, a prehistoric ocean floor. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So, like, yeah, like, this is a story of the flood. Yep. there was, It's not the same flood as the one on the other side of the world, but it's a flood. It, like, it, mm-hmm. in the imaginal world, it is the same one, but it's a, actually a different flood. Yeah. So that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. So another story, uh, Nanabojo didn't know what his people were going to eat during the long winter. They'd had very little food for like several winters in a row and people had suffered. So Nanabojo wanted to put a stop to the suffering. So he went into the woods and fasted for four days in a wigwam. Uh, On the fourth day, he started on a long walk. And as he walked, he thought about how to keep his people from starving. He continued walking until he came to the edge of a river. By that time, he was very tired, so he lay down to rest and fell asleep. Nanabojo awoke late in the night when the moon was high in the sky. He walked along the edge of the river and saw what looked like dancers in the water. He thought he saw the feathers of the headdresses worn by Ojibwe men. He walked a little closer and he asked if he could dance along. He danced and danced until he got tired. Then he lay down and fell asleep again. 
The next morning when he awoke, everything was calm. And he, but he remembered the dancers. He thought it was just a dream, but then he looked out at the tassels waving above the water. He waded out and found long seeds that hung from the tassels. He gathered some of these seeds in the palm of his hand and carried them back with him to his wigwam. There he continued fasting. Once again, he grew tired and fell asleep, and as he slept, he had a vision. In the vision, he learned that he had gathered wild rice and that it was to be eaten. He tasted the rice and found it was pretty fucking good. He returned to the village and told his people about the rice, and together they harvested enough to provide food for the long winter. Because rice. Because rice, and also because Nanabojo is also the spirit of magic, of the esoteric practices of the mm-hmm. Ojibwe. Very interestingly, Nanabojos, because the Ojibwe are, want, have been one of the biggest and most powerful tribes kind of constantly, they have a bit more continuity with their myths than other tribes do who have been. They all got beat the fuck up. The Ojibwe were less extinct than others. Yeah. You know? So the stories of Nanabojo evolve as the times change too, because he's the cultural hero, right? So the threats he protected them from are also evolving. Mm-hmm. Like the time he kicked Paul Bunyan's ass. Okay. Fuck yeah. So Paul Bunyan's doing his goddamn thing, chopping down trees, right? Uh-huh. Deforesting the bitch. Logging. He's cutting down the goddamn forest. Fuck you, Paul Bunyan. That's what Nanabojo says when he confronts him in Minnesota. Yeah. He stops him in the forest as Paul Bunyan's just mindlessly chopping shit down. Like, I guess he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, yo, you don't need any more fucking temper. You're cutting down our forest. Fuck out of here. Tells him to fuck off. Did he have a blue ox or was that somebody else? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Babe. Yes. Babe the big blue ox. Yep, yep. All right. Sorry. Go on. No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's good to clarify because everyone does kind of know what what even is a fucking Paul Bunyan. What? Is he a god? Who, hey, apparently he's Bunyan? a god because- He's an American folk hero. Yeah. So Paul Nanabojo tells Paul Bunyan- fuck out of here. Paul Bunyan says, fuck you. So they start fighting. They start brawling and it, the brawl goes on for 40 days and 40 nights. They're just fighting in Minnesota. This is biblical. Yeah. <laughs> Nana Bozo. Nana Bozo ends the fight. <laughs> he takes a big red lake walleye fish out of his back pocket and he slaps Paul Bunyan in the face with it. Yes. <laughs> he beats the shit out of him with a fish. After, after this, Bunyan stumbles and Nanabojo pulls at Paul's whiskers, making him promise to leave the area. He's grabbing at his beard. He get the fuck out of here. Unofficial sources. There are no official sources. It's all official. Whatever I add to it is official. That's how this works. But other sources add a portion in which Bunyan lands on his rear end at the end of the battle, creating Lake Bemidji with the shape of his buttocks. Wow. Yeah. And like now there's a big ass statue of Paul Bunyan. Like Paul Bunyan wasn't that big. How big is this lake? No, dude, they t- I, I'm like imagining they turned into fucking like... They turned into... Kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's how I... They became it. titans. Yeah. For their battle. That fish had to be real big then. Right. It's the great serpent. It's fucking... And now there's like somewhere in Minnesota, there's a big statue of Paul Bunyan. And directly across the street is a statue of Nana Bojo just looking at him. <laughs> fucking, I love it. Nanabojo is also the slayer of the Windigo. The Windigo is difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it got relegated to, ooh, spooky monster. Spooky flesh thing. Yeah. S- steals your flesh. Yeah. Skinwalker. 
it's so much more than that. Yep. Yeah. A way to condense it and totally not complete, but like one thing to do, one way you could put it is like, it's the fucking evil that lives in men's hearts, you know? And eventually it almost certainly came to represent European colonizers. Yep. Yeah. Gaunt white faces with insatiable bloodlust that just kill and kill and kill, right? It's not necessarily something I'm equipped to talk about. It requires a lot more research. It's not a fucking cryptid, though. However, Nanobojo is like the designated slayer of the Wendigo, right? And it, But it's more than like, it's not fucking white men. It's the spirit of that impulse. You know, it's funny. You know? Um, in a, a short animated musical about Paul Bunyan, he was voiced by Thurl Ravenscroft, who voices Tony the Tiger. Holy the, shit. The tiger being the rival of Anansi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's cool. <laughs> that's a cool little fucking. Another little cartoon crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. But yeah, like, I just, I like that the, a lot of these, you know, I'm, I can't tell all these fucking stories, but there's a lot where, you know, there's a lot of fucking Nanobojo stories that are the same as Coyote stories, that are the yeah. same as Anansi, it's trickster stories, right? Trickster protector. Yeah. There's a lot where Nanobojo is a jackass. Mm-hmm. But he's a human. He fucks up in the way that humans fuck up. Yeah. And he's like, it's a lot of the lesson of these characters is it's okay to fuck up. Like they are humanity, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world if you fuck up. It's fine. We all do it. Nanobojo did it and he still slays the fucking Wendigo. He still slapped Paul Bunyan around with a walleye, you know? Yes. Nanobojo is also the founder of Midewiwin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's the Ojibwe essentially mystery school, the esoteric tradition. Okay, cool. It like has a grade system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like four grades. Uh, it's three grades in some traditions, four in others. And it's a, from what I understand, still active religious and esoteric order among Anishinaabe people. Uh, I think there's practitioners in New England through the Great Lakes and shit. Like it is, from what I understand, it's an active uh initiatory fucking religion. Um, and it's really cool from what I understand. So he's, Nanobojo is also the god of magic to use an analogy, mm-hmm. right? Henry Longfellow's Song of Hiawatha is essentially a retelling of Nanobojo's stories. Basically what that is. Yeah. And so Br'er Rabbit is much the same. Br'er Rabbit stories are all plot-wise Anansi stories. Pretty much every everyone is, an, is a Caribbean Anansi story. The plots are just, yeah, they're just identical in that regard. Um, yeah, there's literally one with a, a tar baby. Yeah. Where Br'er Rabbit gets pissed off because the baby won't talk back to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's from a Nazi in the box of stories. Yes, except now it's the rabbit instead of the fairy who's committing the act against the baby. Yep. And there's a, in in the sort of like heroic figure, there's the parallels to Nana Bojo. There's... The Cherokee had a trickster uh, rabbit, I'm not sure the name of, that, and the thing is, like, African culture mixed with Native culture mm-hmm. in the U.S. a lot. Makes and sense. And so these stories got smashed together, N- not just the Cherokee rabbit trickster, but the coyote and Nanabojo and the having a brother that's real important, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, you know? Yeah. And it became a version. There's also like a Senegalese uh, rabbit spirit called Luke, L-E-U-K. There's a there's a bunch. 
But uh, speaking of the brother thing, I found um, a bit of mythology about Nana Bojo, about him having a twin brother. Yeah. A twin brother committed to making imbalance as Nana Bojo was dedicated to balance. That is, there are some story traditions yes. about that. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting to me. Yeah. I didn't include any of that because it seemed like I couldn't pin down where it came from. And then it was like contradicted by other stories. It's mm-hmm. like, it gets so confusing because it, the importance on it not being confusing just isn't there. Right. Just culturally, like it's just not, which is probably why the plots of Br'er Rabbit stories came from Anansi. Because there is plot, right? A chain of causal events. Whereas a lot of the native myths are much more dream logic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fucking Teddy Roosevelt's uncle that was the first to uh, catalog Br'er Rabbit stories. Um, they didn't. They didn't sell great at first, though. Uh, yeah, like it. He did it, and no one really cared. But then this feller Joel Chandler Harris came along, and uh, he repackaged all these tales. He aimed them squarely at white audiences and introduced and invented the character of Uncle Remus, the friendly black man who still works at the plantation that he loves. <laughs> Tells these stories to the to the children. Of course. Yeah. Harris claimed to bring forth the real essence of black life in the South, but... Of course he did. Yeah. And that's sort of, you know, that's the Br'er Rabbit that became Song of the South, the Disney movie and shit. Mm-hmm. It was like... There was, there was a Br'er Rabbit that is a legitimate folk character in line with these other guys we've talked about. That's not the one that made it into into the Disney film. No. You know? Um, uh, no. The thing that, like, I don't have a... I, like I was saying at the beginning, like, I was trying to... But I was thinking about this when, when I was working on this. I don't, I don't have too great of a thesis here, but, like, it strikes me as... I don't like calling these spirits tricksters necessarily i mean i actually i don't mind but that doesn't convey what i think they are and like it seems like yeah in their truest forms these they're not just tricksters they're reflections of humanity itself with all of its complexity and with the one tool that humanity really has the mind Mm -hmm. and how the mind can get you into fucking trouble and shit Right. right. But it can also get you out. Right. They were embodiments of human experiences, desires, dilemmas. Anansi wasn't just spinning web webs. He was using storytelling to navigate, to work his way through life like humans do. Coyote's escapades were less about outsmarting his peers and more about the eternal human struggle to define one's place while caught between heaven and hell. Nana Bojo, with all his layers, was just a, f- he was a dude with huge rabbit ears who fucked up a lot and didn't know when to call it quits. He was every person's internal debate between right and wrong, wrong tradition and change. Like, and then colonialism happened. Then fucking America happened. And as these stories got heard by an entirely different mode of being, it seems to me that their essence got diluted and turned into the trickster who's out to Kanya. Right. You know what I mean? And not the vital survival techniques that humans have relied on for centuries. Yes. To survive. Right. Because... It's in the hierarchy of fucking, to, to not to be that fucking guy, but in the hierarchy of capitalism that capitalism necessarily needs, there's not really any room for the trickster, right? However, but in an arrangement where you're living in a constant negotiation with nature, you have to outsmart nature. Yes. You have to be that. You have to take what you can get when you can get it because it's also trying to eat you. The rest of the world is trying to eat you. You're just part of the soup, man. Yeah, And so you have to, 
be able to dance with the currents of the world. But that doesn't fucking fly in capitalism. That doesn't fly in fucking European hierarchical society. No, it doesn't. The depths of these characters were sometimes lost in in translation, making them more palatable or comprehensible for a new audience. And I imagine also telling the kids different stories Mm -hmm. and packaging different lessons. In some situations, they're the hero, revered for their cleverness and resilience. In others, they're dismissed, sidelined, or even vilified with their gifts getting misunderstood or deliberately suppressed. And I think that the attitude that we take to a lot of these trickster spirits reflects something very close to the six of discs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I like we still love a trickster. I mean, even everyone, that's not like, I don't want to say, I'm mostly kind of pissed at Br'er Rabbit because Teddy Roosevelt's fucking uncle got to write the book. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and Uncle Remus didn't exist. And like fucking... Song of Hiawatha is some nonsense. It's just like a pan-Indian smash them up together. Right. Tell a story that's palatable for white folks, you know. But the Six of Discs, I think, to me, speak is about sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you. That too. And also he's a figure of generosity as well, which reminds yeah, me yeah, of yeah. Coyote's role in getting rid of the bad spirits. It's like, okay, here's a guy who is, he's in this role of, of power but also giving. They all get by with a little help from their friends. Yes. You know, at certain points, they're the ones doling out favors, but they also generally need a favor from someone else too. Absolutely. And like, like I didn't pick these characters with a theme in mind. Mm-hmm. So like trying to like really stitch it together at the end feels awkward because Coyote, Anansi and Nanabojo fit better together, but I don't know. But yeah, I think the six of discs, like it's a, the trickster isn't out to steal your wallet, usually. Not this type of trickster. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's the type of trickery that you need to live in harmony with the world. It's they're yes. dancers, essentially, right? They take what comes, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Yes. Which is what you have to do when you're living in harmony with the world. Yep. Yeah. And that's why Nana Bojo beat the fuck out of Paul Bunyan with a fish. Yes. It's just so beautiful. I love it so much. I, I'd really like to one day talk about the Wendigo when I'm sure I can do it correctly. Yeah. Because like, you know, here's the thing. Like, it is really insulting to talk about the Wendigo as if it's a fucking cryptid. That is. But I also feel like perhaps maybe that does deserve like an honest, an honest look at it. Yeah. You know, that would be interesting to yeah. dig into. Yeah. But I have um, an important question. Okay. Who would win in a fight? The Tricks Rabbit or Tony the Tiger? Oh. I mean, really, the answer is depending on what lesson you were trying to teach. Yep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For the purposes of this episode. Yeah. Um, we're going to say the Tricks Rabbit, probably. Probably, yeah. I don't know, though. He's not a great rabbit. He's kind of a shit rabbit. I don't know. He'd be getting that cereal, though. He does, he does get the cereal. <laughs> he gets it taken away in the end. Yeah. I always like to think he gets a couple bites, though. Yeah, right. Just one or two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, like, fucking um, Watership Down has nothing to do with any of these stories. Mm-hmm. That was, like, but there's a famous story within a story in that in which, like, it's the creation story of rabbits. And I've, like, always fucking loved the line that uh, Lord Frith says to uh, the rabbit progenitor. I forget his his name right now, but um, he says, uh, all the world will be your enemy, 
prince with a thousand enemies. And whenever they catch you, they will kill you. But first they must catch you. Digger, listener, runner, prince with the swift warning. Be cunning and full of tricks, and your people shall never be destroyed. Yes. Right? And like... Yes, though. Yeah. It's fucking... I love... I like... That's... I may get that tattooed on me, because I fucking love that so much. You don't have any tattoos, do you? Uh, yeah, I'm... They call OCD the doubting disease. Yes. You know? <laughs> I, I really want some tattoos, though. That's a different conversation. Like, wicked bad. I need to make it happen, but I don't know how. Richard Adams, the author of Watership Down, he fucking... That was just some stories that he was telling to his kids after reading, like, a book about rabbit behavior. Mm-hmm. And he just started telling stories about the rabbits in their yard, and then, like, one night he sat down for, like, 24 hours and just wrote it all down into a narrative. He based a lot of the characters on, like, army buddies and shit. Like, it was not a myth, like, about older mythology. He wasn't thinking about Nana Bojo or any of that when he was writing Watership Down. But the rabbit is a great archetype for that. And, like... It's the perfect one. Yeah. It's also, like, a very self-replicating animal, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't mention it. I should have mentioned it more, but all the tricksters are horny as fuck. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, coyote is makes sense as that animal, too. Like, it, it makes sense why all these animals became the representations of what they represent, I guess. Like, there's, I don't know, there's a lot you can learn by like looking at nature and stuff and being outside. <laughs> yep. That's how I'm going to end it. Fuck it. Perfect. <laughs> well, folks, if you like what we do, we do have a Patreon for $5 a month. You can access our bonus show, The Corkboard Bazaar. We also have a Discord, which is- yes, we do. A fun place to be. I like hanging out in there. Yeah, I do as well. friends in there. Yeah, hell yeah. No, there's a lot of really great discussions in there. Like, I, I like that we have a thread on the Safer Yetra going. Like, that's, yep. that's pretty sick. Um, we, we also have an emergency St. Germain reporting hotline. Yes, that's very important. Yeah, I'm going to keep stressing it, and then I'm going to remember to put it in the episode descriptions, or, like, maybe update our website or some fucking stupid thing that I should do, I have to do. I need to do that. If you see St. Germain in the wild... You'll know it if you do. Trust me, you, you will know. You can call us. In fact, you have to call us and tell us about it. The Emergency St. Germain Reporting Hotline is 774-495-0491. That's 774-495-0491. I don't know why I just did that, but Thank I'm glad you. I did. Yeah. This has been the Nonsense Bazaar. Leave us a rating review. Tell your friends. Follow us on social media. Do all that stuff. I'm actively falling asleep. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>